So we're starting our uh, Advent series. It's four week, four four Sundays through Christmas. This is Sunday number one of the countdown. And this, you know, when we think of Christmas, one of the things most people think of is gifts, right? Presents, buying them, receiving them. You know, making lists of people you've got to get presents for, and making lists of of presents you want, and all all that kind of stuff. And and a lot of times, I think. Uh, pastors tend to rail against the materialism of Christmas and all that kind of stuff, but but I rather like it, I must say. <laughs> just just uh, want to put that out there. Um, you know, I, I like receiving gifts, so so just feel free. And uh, you know, it's fun also to think of people and do your sleuthing around the people in your life and and figure out things to get for various people. Uh, so, uh, I, and I think it's it's. Uh, Appropriate because Christmas is all about the celebration of God's generosity to us. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So this Christmas, what I want to do is focus on, we'll look at the Christmas story with this theme, which is what are the gifts that God gives us through Christmas, through the Christmas event, through the Christmas story. And um, today we're going to go to the backstory of Christmas. If you read Luke chapter 1, you, you are informed that prior to the birth of Jesus, the miracle birth of Jesus to the Virgin Mary, there was another miracle birth, the miracle birth of John the Baptist, who was Jesus' cousin, to Elizabeth and Zechariah. And uh, I would encourage you to read that story because it's kind of funny, it's kind of interesting. It's in, John, in Luke chapter 1, but, but I'll just give you the overview of it. Zechariah was one of the priests in Israel, and so he was one of the guys who went into the most holy place in the temple and ministered and prayed for the people. And one day he's in there, he's doing his priestly duty, just another day on the job, you know, going through his prayer list, and an angel shows up. And the angel says to him, Zechariah, you and Elizabeth are going to have a child. And now Zechariah, I guess he's a little jaded, because I think if an angel said that to me, you know, or said something to me, I, I would tend to believe him. But, but Zechariah says, I'm an old man. Elizabeth, you know, we tried for several decades, but it just didn't happen for, for us. And so it, it's just hard to believe. So Zechariah talks back to the angel. And then he says, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years. That's a very polite way of putting things, but, you know, you're talking to an angel. Uh, and then the angel says to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. In other words, when an angel says something to you, you better believe it. And then, and then uh, as the story goes, Zachariah is muted from that point, but then Elizabeth, his wife, conceives and ultimately gives birth to a son. And then Zechariah has a song when his son, John the Baptist, or as I like to think of him, John the Presbyterian, but, but uh, John, John, John the Baptist is born and Zechariah offers this prophecy, offers this song, and, and that's our text for today. It's Luke chapter 1, verses 76 through 79. It's in your program. This is just an excerpt from it. I'd encourage you to read the whole thing. But he says, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, 
for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. Remember, John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because, because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Why do we have Christmas? Why did Jesus come? What drove Jesus to come down to earth? It was for this reason, because of the tender mercy of our God. And so today I want to talk about the mercy of our God, because I think as one of the things that sets the Christian faith apart and makes Christianity unique among religions is that it's based on the premise that God is merciful and our relationship with God is based on his initiative because of his tender mercy. So, so but to give you perspective on that, I want to go through three points. The problem of mercy, the promise of mercy, then the person of mercy. And the problem of mercy is this, like, like I say, the, the Christian message, the, the gospel is simply this. Our relationship with God is grounded in his mercy towards us. His mercy towards us 100%. And that's, that's the, the basis of our relationship with him. And as you survey world religions, that makes Christianity unique because in most world religions, our relationship with God is based on what we do for God or based on the sacrifices you, you make or based on the, uh, on the ceremonies you observe or based on the rules that you keep. But the, but the Christian message is that the only way we can relate to God is if we receive His mercy. And so that, that sounds all warm and fluffy at one level, but in another level, it's kind of an insult. You know, there's some gifts that honor us, but then there's also gifts that, that kind of insult us. Like, you know, it's one thing to open a, a gift and, and say you're a new graduate and you open a present and it's a new suit and it's because the people who gave it to you believe that you're going to go places in your career and you're going to need to dress for success. That's nice, but imagine opening a gift and it's a, uh, a bottle of mouthwash. What do you think that person is trying to tell you there, you know? And, and here's the problem with saying that, that our relationship with God is 100% based on mercy. It's saying that we can't earn it, that we don't deserve it. We can't achieve it. We just need to receive his grace and accept his grace. And apart from that, there's absolutely no hope for us. The, one of the paradigmatic prayers of salvation that, that that God gives us in, in Luke 18 is simply this, God have mercy on me, the sinner. And if you can pray that prayer, you can experience God's mercy. But if you can't pray that prayer, if you're not there yet, then, then you don't know what it is to have a relationship with the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so mercy is insulting to us. The other, another problem with it is, is it's not natural. Mercy is not a naturally occurring substance. Think about it. What happens in nature? The strong eat the weak, right? A polar bear is going along on the iceberg and he finds a little baby seal there. Does he say, where's your mom, little baby seal? <laughs> That's not, not how nature works, right? And so mercy is not 
natural, we don't live in a merciful world. It's not the natural order of things that mercy is something we experience. And, and it's not even logical. It's not, you know, when Aristotle was writing his ethics, he didn't have a section on mercy. He had a section on justice. And he talked about the importance of a just society where the innocent are vindicated, where the guilty are punished, where the equals are treated equally and unequals are treated unequally, because, because that makes sense to us. And, you know, we t think about the way life works in, in, in our world. And, uh, you know, just practically speaking, we, we, we want justice in all of our institutions. You know, when you're in school, you don't want the people who blow off class and don't do their homework to get the same grades as the meticulous people who show up at every class and take notes and study hard and do all the work, right? Because that wouldn't be right. That wouldn't be merciful. You don't want at work or in your, your company, you don't want the people who are always showing up late and who are failing to follow through on their assignments and doing a sloppy job to get the same get the same results as the, or get the same compensation as the people who show up early and stay late and are always doing a good job and getting excellent results. Because that doesn't feel right. And obviously, in our court system, it's all predicated on justice. There's no real place for a merciful judge because the judge's job is to administrate justice. And so we, we live in a world and our society works on the presumption that bad deeds are punished and good deeds are rewarded. But mercy is all about God's grace on sinners. And that's the heart of the Christian faith. And that's why the Christian faith should be something other than everything we experience in this world and the way we function as Christians should be something other. You know, it's, it's hard to believe and it's insulting to all of us when we think about it because we want to believe that we have a basis for standing before God that's grounded in our, the sacrifices we've made or the service we've offered or the obedience we, we comply with. Uh, but the gift of mercy is available to us because none of us on that basis, we'll be able to stand before God. And when we presume we can, all we're doing is we're underestimating how high God's standard really is. We're comparing ourselves to other people instead of really taking into account the height of God's standard and how far short we all fall. And so that's the problem of mercy for us. And so that's why it's important to see the promise of mercy. And the promise of mercy is simply this. The reason people run away from God, the reason people don't move toward God, is because they don't yet believe how merciful God is. In Romans chapter 2, the Bible makes it clear that it's the mercy of God that draws us to Him. It's the mercy of God that leads us to repentance. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. You can pop that on the screen, Nathan. It says, Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that it's God's kindness that is intended to lead you to repentance? What draws us to God? What draws us to repent? Why do people run away from God? Why do people not want to, be, to seek God? It's because it's hard for us to believe sometimes that God is truly merciful. We live in an unmerciful world. All of our systems, all of our institutions are, are brutally unmerciful. Nature is unmerciful. So it's hard for us to conceive 
that God is merciful. You know, gifts sometimes can be hard to accept, and yet the Bible says that the only way that you're going to connect with God, the only way you're going to be able to have a relationship with God, the only way you're going to be right with God is if you're willing to trust in his bleeding mercy. The, the, the concern or, or the, 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 the reality of God's righteousness and God's severity and God's holiness and God's justice, that's what makes us all want to run away but it is his mercy and grace, if we can bring ourselves to believe it, that draws us back to, to him. Uh, and so the joy that we have in God, the joy that we can have in a relationship with God is when his mercy becomes real in our life. And the fruit of mercy, as he says here, the, the thing that drives mercy is his forgiveness and salvation. Why did he come? to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Verse, next slide there, Nathan. And that was what the tender mercy of God provoked, giving people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. As I mentioned before, forgiveness is a banking term. You know, to get, to, you know, what the Bible says in essence is that we're all so far behind on our obligations to God that even as we try to make payments, our obligation gets bigger and not smaller. Have you ever been in that situation where, where you're, uh, the, the interest was compounding bigger than the minimum payment you were making on your bills? And that's what God says all of us are. That's where we all are morally and spiritually. And so we need a bailout. We need forgiveness. We, we have a, a debt to God that needs to be wiped out, and that's what mercy does. You know, all of us, I think, are on this effort of what, what we might call a self-salvation project by working hard, by being beautiful, by being strong, by being good, by, by following the rules, whatever it might be. We're trying to make ourselves qualified. But what the Bible says is it's not until we recognize that we're unqualified and that we're sinners in need of mercy, that we're, that we're broken and need His grace, that we begin to experience some restoration. And, and that's where the, the Christian freedom begins, is when we can accept this mercy. It's, there's one song that puts it this way, that we're a debtor to mercy alone. We can see that all of our debts have been wiped away except for one debt, and that's our debt to mercy. That's when new life begins. That's when we can be changed, and that's when we can become people who are merciful to others. Jesus said in another place, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. One of the marks of those who actually have experienced God's mercy is that we begin to show mercy towards other people. Rather than looking down on people, we get down with people. Rather than overlooking people, we look at people. And rather than feeling superior to people, we recognize that there's some people who've experienced God's mercy and are blessed by it, and there's other people who have yet to experience God's mercy and desperately need it. And it's our job to bring that mercy to their life because we're debtors at the end of the day to something. The best place to be is when you become a debtor to God's mercy 
alone. So the problem of mercy, it's not naturally occurring. The power of mercy is it's the one thing that can reconnect us to our experience of God. But then the question is, how does this become real to us? It's not civilized. It's not logical. It's not natural. It's not even what we want, really, because we want something that we can attain. And the way it becomes real is through the person of mercy, our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Christmas is all about. It, you know, mercy has to become personal for it to become real in our lives. Zachar Zachariah describes him, and, and John the Baptist pointed to him and points to him and, and describes him in various ways. One is he says he's going to be a, a light shining in the darkness, verse 79 in our, our message text. Zechariah says that John the Baptist is going to point to one who's like the rising sun, like a light shining in the di darkness. And, and there, Zechariah, who was a priest, who was a scholar of, of the Bible, is clearly alluding to Isaiah chapter 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of the shadow, a light has dawned. And so what Zechariah recognized that the mercy of God is personified in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself in another place is described as a light. In John chapter 1, it says, puts it this way, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Jesus is the light who personifies mercy, whose life brings, brings light into our life. And then in, in verse 79 in our message text, Zechariah talks about him coming to the, the land of the shadow of death. And that, that's a clear allusion to, to one of the most well-known passages in the Old Testament, Psalm 23, the shepherd psalm, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's even quoted, quoted in a lot of places. But, but he goes on to say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for God is with me. You know that verse? That's an important verse, important passage, Psalm 23. But, but that, you know, something that's, as, I, as I've thought about that, as I've lived that, as, I, as I've studied that, as I've prayed through that, one of the things that, that I realized about that passage, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for God is with me. I'm, I, and I, I read that and I say, well, if God's with me, why doesn't he give me a detour around the valley of the shadow of death? Why do I keep my, finding myself walking through the valley of the shadow of death? And it says, he doesn't pluck us out of that valley, but he's with us in the valley. We're not alone when we find ourselves in the valley of the shadow of death. He is with us. And that's the hope for us. In fact, that's what Christmas means. What is Christmas? It's all about the Son of God coming to be with us, to walk with us in the valley of the shadow of death. That little baby that was born on Christmas was going to live life in this rough and tumble, unmerciful, graceless world that we all live in, going to experience the rejection, the heartache, and the pain that is a part of life as we know it as well, and then ultimately suffer the ultimate the ultimate loss. You know, we sing about this, this is alluded to in some of the classic Christmas hymns, even the one we just sang. What child is this who's laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet, while shepherds watch our keeping. And it says, 
Why lies he in such a mean estate where ox and ass are feeding? Good Christians fear for sinners here. The silent word is pleading. And nails and spears will pierce him through. The cross be born for me and for you. Hail, hail, the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. The Christmas event, the birth of Jesus, is all about mercy coming down and becoming personal to us and paying the price so that we can experience the great, great grace of God. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes and renew our hearts to the person of mercy, our Lord Jesus Christ, in this brutal world we live in, in these brutal lives we live. Help us not to be brutal, but make us people of charity, people of grace, and people of mercy who follow him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.